everybody, this is Ryan James with I Squared Ministries. Today I want to talk about the cross as being central to Christian mission. You know, as I came to Christ in college and began to progress in my discipleship, after a number of years, I kind of came to the realization that the cross of Christ had become marginalized in my life. And I think that it is symptomatic of the way that we approach the scriptures as we approach the cross. And in my expression of kind of charismatic Christianity that I was kind of discipled in, the cross was something, it was the door, but it wasn't where you camped out. It was the door into the, the deeper and greater stuff. And I just came to the understanding at some point along the way that there is nothing deeper or greater. And I didn't want to move from the foot of the cross. And it was really the cross being the primary point of devotion in my life that actually caused me to really long to express myself like Christ did in uh, my brokenness and my weakness, but I longed to give myself back to him the way he gave himself for me. And it seems that, you know, when we begin to just touch the realities of the cross a little bit, it seems the only appropriate response is to want to emulate him, take up our own cross. Now, obviously, that's the appropriate response under the power of the Holy Spirit. But I think we need to camp out there again. I think we need to stay there and gaze and spend long loving hours meditating and coming to the realization of what has happened again and again and again. So I just want to read a small excerpt for a, from a, a book that I'm hopefully going to publish soon. So this is called The Eternal Centrality of the Cross. So God was under absolutely no obligation to redeem humanity who grew up to hate him instead of to love him. But his divine love caused him to conceive the ultimate plan in redemption. In his pristine creative design, he chose to glorify himself by descending to the lowest possible of places. To show the heights of his great love, he came to the lowest place in order to climb a hill called Golgotha to ransom his beloved because of this, his cross has forever become the center of our interactions with Christ, putting it the center of all things. We will never outgrow dependence upon the blood of Christ. We will never forget those nail-pierced hands. In the end-time drama, the cross is seen as central in the book of Revelation, ascribes Christ's main title as the Lamb who was slain. We will forever be staring at those nail-pierced hands of the Jewish God-man as the main way that we grow in the revelation of God's love and mercy. We will search the depths of the cross for all of eternity and still be swimming in an ocean so vast and so deep 
that even an eternal gaze will never fully comprehend. The heart of the cross. When we walk with a man from the manger to a judicial murder who lived a perfect life, we are left with a horrendous tragedy. If we walk with God, unperceived in a manger, manifesting his power un, unto being unjustly killed on a tree, we are left perplexed and angry at the audacity of sin. But when we see the God-man bearing our sins pinned to wooden beams, our minds and hearts collide and we are sent into the oblivion of God's unending love for depraved humanity. Contemplations. It's not okay that when I look upon the cross of Christ, my heart doesn't move. If my best friend or my son was killed unjustly in a public judicial murder, how would I feel? What emotion would I feel? If Christ, my friend and Lord, dies on a tree for me, how, how should I feel? If I follow the progression of the story without jumping to the conclusion, can I stand in a puddle of my own tears mourning? The fact that in a real place, Roman soldiers, as well as my own sin, pinned my God to a cross. Can I step into the feet of the disciples and mourn the loss of my master and my friend? Can this progression carry me through to the astonishment and exuberant spirit of sprinting to the tomb at the faint rumor that my Christ may still yet live. Can I find myself heaving and sprinting with all my might to the tomb to stare in astonishment as I behold the garments that were once wrapped around his defamed frame, laying folded like never used? Can I yet believe? Can it be so that my Lord is indeed risen? Can I feel the fear and weakness that Peter and John still retreating into that locked upper room, the fear, the grief, the excitement of possibility, then and only then can I feel what Thomas felt as my Lord walks through the walls and allows me to put my finger into those nail-pierced hands. What shocking, eerie splendor to put my fingers inside the wounds of my Lord. Can I be brought to my knees as well, bellowing from the depths of my soul, my Lord and my God? Can I do too be struck down by the beauty of holiness to realize my companion and friend is actually the creator and sustainer of all things? What was it like the first time John the Beloved perceived the reason Christ died? When did it click? How did the revelation come to him? He may have said, oh my. Those scars he eternally bears, the grief in the garden, the pounding blows of the whip on his back, the, the nails driven deep through his wrists. Oh my, all of this was for me. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Wow, it's humbling to even talk about these things, but I find that I, I grow um, dull quickly and I need to keep myself at the foot of the cross. 
I discipline myself to gaze and stay there. You know, I remember thinking through and reading biographies, and, and it, it seemed to me that the men of old that I esteemed so greatly had one thing in common. Their eyes and their hearts never left. The astonishment and the gaze upon Christ crucified. And, you know, I, I, I think we all long for a greater devotion, a greater, a greater uh, response to the gospel, a greater impact in the Great Commission. And I believe that the way that this chiefly happens is by the revelation of the God-man himself coming into our hearts. I think when we behold Christ, the great missionary, descending from the glories of heaven, coming so low to love his enemies and give his life for his enemies, this is, you know, they say it's you become what you behold. And if that's true, then I want to behold this. If that's true, then I want to stare long and hard and, and emulate what he's done. These are obviously towering and intimidating concepts and phrases, but I think that when we look at the scriptures, Paul's prayers, what the New Testament um, is asking, what the Sermon on the Mount is asking of us, is so um, towering and lofty that we can be sure that, that we, not only is this challenging, but that God will actually give us the grace to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what's going to motivate the church to go into the Muslim world? What's going to motivate us to lay our lives down, to see the most, the, these regions that are so opposed to the gospel? What, it, what, what is it going to cause us to go into such volatile areas? And beloved friends, it's nothing but the revelation of Christ in him crucified that is going to cause his church to respond in that way. There's no other way. There's no other way around it. There's no shortcuts. There's no human zeal. There may be a place for many people will launch into that area um, immaturely and without really thinking through the implications of what they're doing, romanticizing what it will be like. But I guarantee you that Christ didn't romanticize the cross. The pain was real. And the pain of missions in the Muslim world will be real. But it was the joy set before him that he endured the cross. And like Paul's words, it is the eternal weight of glory that we will have with him at the resurrection that so greatly overshadows 
the present evil age and the suffering therein. So anyway, I hope this causes you to think through and contemplate and go back to the scriptures. Just take a little phrase, meditate on it, chew on it, sing it, say it, pray it, camp out on it, and gaze upon him. And uh, I, I believe that this will, if we can do it consistently, a little bit here, a little bit there, we will grow in true love, we'll grow as we become conformed into his image. And I believe that it will ultimately cause us to do things like laying down our lives for our enemies. So blessings. Hope this encourages you today. Let's pray for the missionaries that are currently in the Muslim world, laying down their lives. Let's pray for the church those Muslims who've given everything and suffered so much to come out of Islam, to follow Christ, let's pray for them today. The fervent prayers of the righteous avail much. Blessings. Love you so much. We'll talk to you next time.